Thank you, Bill. Well, good morning. It's lovely to see you all here. And as Bill said, we're going to be um, looking at obedience today. So it's a big one. And um, we're carrying on in our series on discipleship, our 10 tough talks. And this morning, we're going to be looking at, you will be my disciple, Jesus says, if you obey my commands. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so um, let's just jump right in to the Bible. And could you turn with me to John chapter 14, and we're going to read starting from verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And then jumping down to 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And then jumping to 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Obedience is one of those words, isn't it, that kind of makes our, our 21st century independence-driven culture squirm a little bit, isn't it? When I think of obedience, I often think of um, my little two-year-old nephew who's just beginning to learn the exact opposite of what that is. It seems we must perfect the art of disobedience before we really learn to obey. But when we grow up, when we become adults, in our world, this concept of obedience is, it can be quite unpalatable. And you know, I think culturally as a society, obedience has never been harder than it is today. There's really basically two uh, dominant worldviews at play in our society. You've got what we could call the scientific view of life. You know, there's no supernatural, there's nothing spiritual, everything is matter, and when you die, that's it, human progress, all the rest of it. And then on the other hand, you've got the, the more spiritual, or what we could call the new age view of the world, which is that everything is spiritual. God is in everything, the divine is all around us, and life's kind of about enriching yourself and your experience by connecting with this divine force. And it's funny because these two views look like they're opposed to one another, don't they? But they agree in one crucial area. They don't require any of their disciples to obey anything. In fact, they don't require you to change your life in any way whatsoever. And wildly different to that, Christianity is kind of running ahead on collision to the dominant worldviews of our society. If you love me, Jesus says, obey my commands. Christian discipleship calls for a radical and countercultural laying down of our rights and our independence. You know, obedience is something greater than us. 
And you know, it's so countercultural that I think even in church, we've sometimes missed this and softened it, made it a little bit easier. And when that happens, what we do is we actually rob ourselves of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus and live life to the full. If you love me, Jesus says, obey my commands. See, the thing about following Jesus, and that's what discipleship is, it's, it's literally following him, listening to his prompts, following in his footsteps, listening to his guiding, giving our lives to him. The thing about giving your life to someone is that you cannot do it in part or to an extent or sort of in your mind intellectually, but in such a way that it doesn't change your actions. So for example, if I owned a house and I was to say, um, Sammy, I'm, I'm going to give you my house that I own. And all of this house is yours, except there's this one room in the house that, um, that you can't go into, uh, but that I'm going to be allowed to go into. Who owns the house? I still do. Because if I have the right to say that Sammy can't go in one of the rooms, I still have the right to the house, right? And so Christian discipleship is about giving our all to Jesus, just as he gave all of his life for us on the cross. And so Christian discipleship, it's about obedience. It's about changing our lifestyle, our style of life, so that every day we are growing in likeness of him, becoming more holy, more obedient, more like Jesus. He's shaking up our value systems and our priorities and rearranging them to look more like him. The Hebrew word for hear is shema. And in Hebrew thought, that word kind of, it literally conveys this marriage of listening and obeying. It's the kind of hearing that changes what you do. It's this active, transformative hearing. And so in Hebrew thought, to hear without obeying means that you haven't really heard. You've only listened. And so right at the heart of the word of God is this concept that to have truly heard Jesus' teaching means our actions will change. Our lives are going to look different to those that don't know him. And our lives are going to look different than they did last year. It involves transforming our world. So when we gather here on a Sunday and read the word, or when you read the Bible on the tube, on the way into work, when you hear the Spirit speaking to you, it must change us. It changes our style of life, the way we process decisions, the way we talk to our friends, how we spend our alone time, the things that impress us and that don't, the things that we do on a Sunday, how we spend our money. Hearing the Word of God begins to impact and influence every area of our existence. Like my friend's little boy who heard about the refugees and gave away his pocket money in response. Or like my friends Dave and Liz who hear in the word of God that our call as Christians is to be light in the darkness. And so in just a few months time they are going to completely relocate their lives and move to the party island of Ibiza to bring the gospel from the tiny to the tectonically big areas of our lives, Jesus calls us to radical obedience, a softness of heart that's always willing to obey. So what does this look like? 
let's look back at the passage. The first thing is that obedience comes from knowing Jesus. Verse 18, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Obedience comes out of knowing and loving Jesus because when we know Jesus, when we accept the extent of what he did for us on the cross, we make this distinction that we obey because we are saved and not the other way around. Do you see the difference there? See, religion kind of says that obedience brings acceptance. But the gospel says that our acceptance brings obedience. Knowing Jesus, understanding this gift of salvation that he bought for us on the cross, that love changes everything. The religious heart obeys to be accepted. The forgiven heart obeys because it has been accepted. And so the more we know Jesus, the more we love him. And the more we know and love him, the more we trust him. And so our obedience becomes so much easier, doesn't it? There's this little verse at the start of the book of John, and I just love it. And do you remember the story when um, Jesus is at a wedding? And there's this really socially awkward moment when the, the wine runs out, which, as we all know, is an absolute disaster at any kind of a party. But at a wedding, this is just so, so bad for the groom. And so Jesus' mother is like, oh, we need to help. We've got to do something. And so she, she kind of has this little interaction with Jesus where she tells him to step in. And, um, and when Jesus agrees to, Mary turns around and looks at these two servants, and they're there with the, the pitchers of water. And, um, and she says, John 2, verse 5, do whatever he tells you. Which I love because I feel like it's this kind of intriguing little insight into what did Friday nights look like in the Jesus, Mary, and Joseph household? How did she know what was about to happen, right? She just looks at the servants and says, trust me, just do whatever he tells you to do. Out of the depth of intimacy and knowledge and trust and secret history that she developed with Jesus, she has that moment of just do whatever he tells you. You know, I reckon at that point in his life, no one knew Jesus better than his mother. And when we really know Jesus, obedience becomes so much easier. Just do whatever he tells you. And so obedience starts with knowing and loving Jesus. He's our why we obey. And secondly, our obedience is empowered by the Holy Spirit. I often feel the need to translate that empowered. In Irish, it is empowered. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is, this is how we obey. And the whole context of this passage here, chapter 14, is Jesus promising to send his Holy Spirit to his disciples. And this spirit, he says, will come and he will strengthen you. He will give you the courage and the power to do what it is I ask you to do. And he will lead you into all truth. In other words, in this life, in this journey of following Jesus, of trying to get in his footsteps, trying to walk in his ways, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead and guide us into all truth. He's the one who's going to come and tell us what Jesus' command is for us today in this moment. And so he gives us this power, and he also interrupts and leads and prompts us. 
My friend Brian talks about this as little coughs from heaven, little <clears throat> moments from God. Did you notice that girl who during Freshers' Week, she's had a bit of a nightmare on the first night and now no one really wants to talk to her or hang out with her? <clears throat> Go and chat to her. You know that, that friend that I've just put into your mind all of a sudden out of the blue? They really need this word of encouragement. <clears throat> Give them a call. You know that, that money that you're about to spend? I actually have this really awesome purpose for, for that money. I've got this person that I want you to give it to. <clears throat> give it to so-and-so. And so we have these little prompts, these little nudges from heaven. We heard a remarkable story here recently, didn't we, about, um, about a guy who was walking through a park and, and had that little prompt from the Holy Spirit, a word of knowledge, to speak to a stranger. And, and that stranger, we find out, um, was planning on committing suicide that afternoon. And this word of knowledge saved his life and brought him into a church community where his life was changed forever. The Holy Spirit will come and he will lead you into all truth. Sometimes we have remarkable outcomes like that guy in the park where we can see immediately why God told us to do something. But you know, a lot of the time we don't get to know the end of the story, do we? We just get the joy of obeying because he's asked us to do it and we trust him. And you know, the truth is, is that in this journey of being disciples, it's these tiny regular moments of obedience that actually build and grow our faith muscles so that when the bigger tests of obedience come along, our reflexes have been shaped by these countless moments where we've said yes to Jesus. Our muscles are ready for the big moments, the kind of Dave and Liz relocate your lives, go and be a missionary moments, the why don't you open your home to foster or adopt kids moment. All those tiny little yeses along the way build our muscles. Those prompts of the spirit shape our reflexes. See, how can we respond with grace and turn the other cheek in those huge moments of crisis if we've just allowed ourselves to have road rage all week? Or how can we really love our neighbor if we spend half of our evenings gossiping about people or complaining? The big moments of obedience in our lives will always flow out of millions of little ones every day. I um, had a friend at university called Amy. And when Amy started uni, um, she was given a house by her parents. I was sort of given like a couple of pens and a cork board for my wall, but Amy was given a house. We were all very happy for her. Um, <laughs> so Amy had this lovely house and she and a, and a couple of friends lived in this house the whole time they were students. And, and Amy loved Jesus. She was a follower of Jesus and she had the Holy Spirit living inside of her. And one day she felt this little prompt saying, Amy, would you give up some of your comforts? this week. And Amy didn't quite know what that meant, but she knew she wanted to respond. And a couple of days later, she was talking to someone who needed a place to stay. And Amy heard that little, <clears throat> again, would you give up some of your comforts? And so immediately she said to that person, come and stay in my house. And so Amy went back home and what she did was she packed up her own room 
she packed it up, she downsized her wardrobe, and she actually moved into the little cupboard under her stairs, like a modern-day Harry Potter. And she, mo she moved in under the stairs. And so for the next couple of weeks, while other students kind of came and went and enjoyed the lovely rooms in her house, Amy lived in her little cupboard. She ended up living down there for a whole year, just giving up her comfort, growing closer to God and learning to lean on him and trust him. Today, my friend Amy works with Jackie Pullinger, this incredible missionary out in Hong Kong. She ministers to some of the poorest and most broken people on the planet, helping people come off drugs and out of gangs. She has seen so many miracles, every week dramatic moves of God in that city. And she lives in a home with some of the women that, that they've rescued, that they've brought off the streets. And she wrote to me recently saying that her living space is a little bit bigger than a cupboard, which funnily enough, Amy feels perfectly at home in. Sometimes the big dreams that God is calling us to start with simple acts of obedience, following his voice. Amy, could you give up some of your comforts this week? Keeping in step with his spirit. Because simple acts of human obedience lead to extraordinary moves of God. Pretty much every hero that we find in the Bible is testament to this truth. It's like a lightning strip for his power and presence in our lives. But I'm aware that on our journey there are times and there are seasons when it feels really difficult to obey, aren't there? You know, maybe you're having a really difficult time at work or your home life. Maybe God feels a million miles away and showing up to church or worshiping God just feels like the last thing that you wanna do. But you know, in those moments when we don't feel like it, but we manage to show up anyway, and we sing through our pain, and we relentlessly pursue Jesus against all of our circumstances, that's when we enter really sacred territory. It's often when we have the most profound moments of intimacy with him. You know, we're not alone in those moments. Jesus himself knows what those moments feel like, and he's our guide and strength. He wept in a garden just moments before approaching the cross and prayed, not my will, but yours be done, before stepping into that event which changes all of history forever. Those moments when we choose to submit to God against all odds are often some of the most defining in our lives. C.S. Lewis has this book called The Screwtape Letters, which you might have heard of, which is like a, it's like a senior devil teaching a junior devil how to um, ruin the kingdom of God, how to stop people following God, and they call him the enemy. And he gives this piece of advice. He says, do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in jeopardy than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, that's God's will, looks round upon a universe in which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. I want us to end today in, um, in the following chapter, John chapter 15, looking at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Finally, we obey because of Jesus' all-consuming love for us. Jesus, who gave us everything, surrendered his life on the cross that we might live. Jesus' love must always be the starting point of our obedience. And what is his command to us? Verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. Lay down your life for each other as I have laid down my life for you. We live in a broken, dangerous, cold world. The political climate in both in Europe and in the United States is more extreme than I've ever seen it in my lifetime. This week, Adam and I spent a long, long evening in A&E. He um, chopped his finger off, not off, sliced it. He's fine, he's very brave. Um, <laughs> but, but we went to A&E and, um, and I'm sat in the, in the waiting room waiting for Adam. And while I'm sat there, I heard three separate people make racially abusive comments. Three separate people. Our world is broken and there is so little love. And in the midst of this, Jesus' words cut through to the very core, love one another. Lay down your very lives for each other. Love is not some soppy Valentine sentiment. It is the single most powerful force in the universe. And if being a disciple means that we obey Jesus' command, and if his command is that we love one another, then we must begin to grasp this all-consuming call in our lives. To love that hurts, to love that costs something, love that genuinely prefers one another, that strives for others to succeed, love that will lie down in the dirt and build a bridge so that other people don't have to get their feet muddy, love that lays down our lives, love that transforms families and communities and cities. What would it look like for Guildford if we were to really live this way? that others might win? How might we be able to love so radically and sacrificially that we change culture, that we begin to eradicate racism and poverty? Do you love your neighbor? There's so much more that we could say on this. It's on pretty much every page of the Bible. But we're gonna stop here and just take a moment to respond. Why don't you just close your eyes? You know, we've come full circle today. We started this morning looking at how the two most prominent mindsets in our world today, they cost us nothing, and yet they give this illusion of freedom that brings no joy. Because the truth is, and it's this foolishness that confounds the wise, we find our life in laying it down. Joy is not found in following something that costs us nothing. Joy and peace and stability, life in its fullness comes in the way of the kingdom, preferring one another. To Holy Spirit, would you dwell in us? 
would you fill our hearts with your presence? Would you give us the strength to obey the commands of Jesus? Would you lead us, lead us into all truth? Show us how to live this life of a disciple. And God, for those of us who still have some rooms in our house that, that we're still holding on to, would you show us what it means to give all of ourselves to you? Would you make us a community that transforms cultures? We love you, Jesus. Amen.